Welcome to the Scalable Solutions Podcast. If you're looking to scale or start a successful online business up to $10 million, but have struggled to scale the three marketing mountains of copywriting, e-commerce, and digital marketing, the Scalable Solutions Podcast is your new base camp. You now have a serial entrepreneur behind you who's reached multiple summits of success to answer your questions so you can scale and start a successful online business. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to be together. Um, We thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, missions. Mm -hmm. We thank you for the opportunity um, just to be your children, uh, the privilege, um, Mm -hmm. and the opportunity to expand uh, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray that uh, the churches throughout the world would be equipped and empowered to do that. I'm grateful for Jeff and his organization and um, equipping, training, preparing, supporting, encouraging so many missionaries and just pray that you would continue to uh, encourage him and Mm -hmm. they would even flourish um, in that work and that you would just give them great joy uh, in that and uh, that you would supply for every single need they have to do this. And uh, just thank you that the churches would be encouraged and blessed and the partnerships would uh, form and grow and and the ones that are already there would be strengthened, Lord. And we Mm -hmm. just thank you for the opportunity to talk today in Jesus' Mm name. Amen. Amen. Mr. Jeff Jackson, and he is from Shepherd's Staff, and Shepherd's Staff is a missionary sending organization. Did I get that right, Jeff? Well, it is a sending organization, more of a facilitating organization. Facilitating organization. Fantastic. So you've been at this for about uh, 20 years, and you're serving about 130 churches. Is that right? That's correct, and about 220 of their missionaries. In wow. about 60 countries. Yeah, we're, we're amazingly blessed. So uh, no dull moments. <laughs> no dull moments. Not at all. Not at all. Fantastic. Fantastic. What would you say are your uh, top two takeaways of, of actually founding this organization and kind of seeing it develop over the years? Uh, probably my top two takeaways are it, it's definitely an example of, of Ephesians, uh, you know, 320. God going exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you originally envisioned. Hmm. Um, that's probably been the biggest thing. And then just the privilege of participating at a meaningful level and seeing the Great Commission fulfilled in a variety of ways through the churches and their missionaries that we serve. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, today I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, business's mission. Um, mm-hmm. So business's mission is a relevant strategy uh, to meet the challenges in the 1040 window and beyond. And that's mm-hmm. Lewis Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we think about business's mission, um, do you ever think that it may be at odds with the kingdom of God? And can you kind of unpack that a little sure. bit? Sure, That's a great question. And it's actually a question that you have to have a theological, biblical answer for to really buy into it. And so uh, the simple answer is no, it's not at odds. And in fact, um, I think that, you know, BAM, and particularly the idea that BAM is, is for-profit businesses, the idea that, that uh, we're hardwired by God and his image and likeness to be creative, uh, 
and take what he's given us as core ingredients and mix them together and add to them and and create with what he's given us. Um, the ability to do that and then and then turn a profit, which makes it possible to be able to do other things, I think is uh, what it means to be created in his image and likeness. And so there's no inherent tension between doing for-profit business and the kingdom of God. In fact, I think for-profit business was God's design for humanity before the fall. Wow. Can you help us to kind of uh, maybe pinpoint some scriptures that kind of create a foundation for that? Yeah, the, the, probably the main scripture would be, uh, of course, pre-fall, going back to the creation uh, and in the garden with uh, where God basically, you know, creates Adam and then he puts them in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden. And in Genesis 2.15, he commands them to tend and work the creation that they are to be, you know, stewards of the creation. And, and the idea of to work, and this is fascinating, uh, that, he, that he uses there in the Hebrew is this word avodah. And in the Hebrew language, that one Hebrew word brings across the idea of work, of worship, and of service. And so the core ingredients are there, and man created in his image and likeness, he says, work it, tend it, keep it, however you want to, you know, describe that. And that means to add to what he's already given us in such a way that reflects his glory and is good for humanity. And so that would be the starting point of, of what I think would be a theology of for-profit business prior to the fall. Makes sense. Makes sense. So work it, tend it, and keep it. Um, and do it as an act of worship. Uh, okay. Yeah. Where does uh, taking calculated risks fall into that is is that a part of of this whole process and and does god potentially reward uh taking calculated risks in business oh i i absolutely think that again that's part of his uh the foundational way he's created us that what he's bestowed upon us and given us stewardship of for us to use that to 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 take and um take a step not knowing what the outcome will be but to use it in the way he's designed us to be able to use it with the idea that we may do it wrong, we may lose it, but when we do it in a way that it's done for his glory and for the good of other people, the reward for that might be something that, you know, is exactly what he wanted to give us in the first place, but he lets us participate in the appropriation of it. Um, I wanted to add so, something to that, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, you know, please, please. The, the, the whole idea that, you know, Jesus you know, he tells the, the parable of the, the, the minas and then the parable of the talents. And, uh, you know, one's in Luke 19, the other one's in Matthew 25. And of course, in those parables, Jesus is, is making the point that, you know, God bestows stewardship upon uh, those that are his servants. And he gives us according to our ability. And then he expects us to use them. And when you unfold the parable, he basically rewards the guys that were willing to take a risk to take the five that they were given and turn it into 10. For them to do that, they had to take a risk with an unknown outcome. And when they did, and they got uh, a profit, he honored them and then gave them more. And he then scolded the guy who didn't take a risk, was unwilling to take a risk, and even the risk of just putting it in a bank, in a bank to gain interest. 
And for the contrarian who says, oh, come on, Jeff, that's just a story in the Bible. <laughs> what would you say as, as far as the, the main point of that passage? What, what do you well, see? Yeah, well, well the, the main point is the idea of if we're truly created in the image and likeness of God and he's bestowed a level of uh, influence, uh, given us a level of influence, he wants us to use what he's bestowed upon us in the way he designed us to use it. And when we do, he rewards that. And that's consistent throughout the whole scripture, that idea of obedience to God and, and acting on for his glory and for the on the benefit of others, managing what he's given us rightly. All of those things produce a, you know, a beneficial effect for ourselves and for others and glorifies God's name. And you said something very key, uh, acting for his glory. Um, where does where does motive and kind of motivation behind mm -hmm. doing you know and, and being accountable and and being good stewards? Where does what role does motive play uh, in that? Uh, I think that you know for the believer, I think motive plays everything. It's it's the foundation of everything that we do. Um, when we understand that you know we are created in the image and likeness of God, and and He's he, he's created us in a way to reflect his awesomeness, his multifaceted character, his glory. When we're operating according to what we were designed for, it not only brings him glory, but it satisfies us. And, and so we need to, uh, that, that has to be the motivation for everything we do. And, and, you know, that's where it's fascinating where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, whatever you do, write down to the basic bodily functions of eating or drinking, do it to the glory of God. So, you know, in Paul's mind, the idea that the bodily necessity of eating and drinking, the motivation for doing that can be the glory of God. And we can do it in a way that brings glory and honor to God. So there's nothing too small, sounds like. Nothing too small. Everything can be done as an act of worship, which gets back to that Hebrew idea of avodah. That work, that service and worship are intermingled they're so tightly woven together that you can't really separate them and it's dangerous to make a dichotomy between work service and worship so if work and service are intertwined and and god wants us to also serve others by sharing uh the gospel with them by making disciples yes um, could business provide the context for discipleship? Absolutely. In fact, I think it may be, in many ways, the best context for discipleship. And the reason I say that is, and again, it goes back to, well, what is discipleship? Uh, and, you know, at being born and raised in America, within the American church, we've taken the concept of discipleship and we've made it primarily informational. We, we keep it in the realm of instruction. I'm going to pass on spiritual truth to you. You're going to obtain those truths mentally and intellectually, and that's going to change your life. That's not biblically what discipleship is. That's one facet of, of biblical discipleship. The best definition I've ever heard was from actually a tribal missionary with New Tribes Mission, and his definition of discipleship is the passing on of eternal truths in the context of meaningful relationship, the passing on of eternal truths in the context of meaningful relationship. And so if you think 
of discipleship primarily as time spent with another person rather than primarily information being passed on. There is information being passed on, but the core concept is time spent. So when Jesus comes and calls the 12, and then he has this larger group of disciples, they're spending time with him. And in the midst of that meaningful time with him, they're receiving eternal life-changing truth. So having said all that, here's the deal. Here's why BAM, why business, even for-profit business is so, I think, such a great context for discipleship is because when you're starting a business or running a business or working in a business, you're getting life-on-life time with your fellow employees or your the people you're managing or supervising 40 to 50 hours a week rather than I'm trying to disciple you at the end of your 40 or 50 hours at work and then you have a family and I get an hour and a half with you a week. Mm. I want to make sure I understand what you were saying there. So it's really not about intellectual assent. It's about these eternal truths being passed on in the context of meaningful relationship. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Okay. It's not mental acknowledgement of facts that are true. It is facts that are true, but it's facts that are appropriated in the middle of as part of a meaningful relationship and then following the one who is emulating not just what he teaches and grasping it mentally, but then emulating the life of the one who is discipling you. And this is a maybe a little bit off subject here, but I know Christ uh, in his actual work was like a tecton. Is that is that the right word? He was like uh, more than a carpenter. He was like a, a, a worker with stone and other materials yeah, as well. And he was a craftsman. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, do you think that... Uh, there was a reason for that. Is that just superfluous to kind of his 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 obviously his main role of, of being the savior of the world? But why why <laughs> why did he grow up in that context? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer to that, but well I think he, I, I think he grew up in that context because it is the actual fleshing out, you might say, incarn the incarnation of what's he's revealed earlier, you know, in his creation of Adam and Eve and the idea that because they're created in his image and likeness, they can, they can, you know, tend the creation and build and shape and mold it with their hands. And in doing that, they're doing what God designed them to do and they're reflecting his glory. So to me that you can't separate the fact that when God becomes man, he does what he designed humans to do in the garden before the fall work with his hands, take and shape what's already there, mold it, turn it into something useful that's good for other people, that serves a purpose, but doing it for the glory of God. Are there better or other ways to have a solid context for discipleship? I think I think there are other ways, um, but the, the common denominator, whether it's work or if it's a, a shared interest in some sport or sports, uh, it's a shared interest in some hobby. The idea where you connect with other people and build relationships because you have a shared interest in something. Um, work is the primary place most people, right, find their friendships. Um, 
and 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 actually you know build deep and meaningful relationships by being at work because they both have to be there they have this common interest they want to feed their family and as they serve together in the business or doing the job uh, they they bond with one another and then that carries outside of the work context that's a great point i know for me personally the business context uh, played a key role in um me actually coming to Christ, uh, just watching my boss, who was uh, incredibly passionate for Jesus Christ and not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed to uh, pray. Um, she would host Bible studies during lunch. Uh, had a huge, huge impact on me. Okay, and so all that said, is BAM an approach that people are open to? Um. Yeah, what I'm what I'm seeing is I think a lot of people that take the Great Commission seriously and and want to see, you know, what's described in Revelation become a reality and knowing that's what the commission obeyed is going to produce, a lot of people have come to the conclusion that to make disciples from every ethnic group that God's created, the 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 last perhaps vehicle that God is going to use is for-profit business. And once they get a handle on uh, the theology, the stuff we were talking about earlier, that, you know, doing, starting and running a for-profit business that does all the things a regular business does, but does them in a way that brings honor and glory to God and brings value to the community and its employees, um, when they, when they kind of get that, when they overcome that, that obstacle, um, what's happening is... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're buying into it. So when we think about uh, how missionaries are considering business as mission or not, um, mm -hmm. what are some of their thoughts? Like as, as you know, and someone who interacts with missionaries on a day-to-day -day basis, um, does, do those conversations ever come up um, when you're preparing people? What does that look like? Well, usually, uh, People interested in actually, you know, uh, participating in business as missions are, are either they come from either one of two categories, either they're already on the field and uh, they've come to the conclusion that there's a need in their local community for a for profit business. And God's convinced them that um, they've got what it takes to start it and that it would be helpful for the kingdom. So either those kind of people or the people that we interact with that come to us already knowing that their um, calling to the field is to start a for-profit business. Um, your average missionaries, usually missionaries don't make very good businessmen. Um, mm. So because they're just wired differently. Um, sure. And the whole idea of the way we've done missions in the past has just sort of shaped and, and molded them. So it takes a, it's definitely a minority of people called to be missionaries that are called to be um, practicing BAM. Uh, and so they usually come again, like I said, with the idea of, hey, God's called me to reach this people group. And the best way for me to do that is by starting a for-profit business. And I've got an idea on a business that may be successful over there. And they've, they've thought through, sort of put a business plan together, a lot of them already. Um, they have potential investors that are help, willing to help get it off the ground. And then they're, um, then they're sent as BAM workers rather than with the title specifically missionary. It's a little more narrow than just missionary. And does Shepherd staff uh, facilitate that or what, what 
uh, what role? Uh huh. Yeah, we what... do. We, we facilitate both. We've had people mm. on the field in traditional status transition to BAM, mm -hmm. start for profit businesses, and then we actually have people that are coming to us now where we facilitate their business um, efforts to, to get for profit businesses started for the kingdom. And what kind of challenges or opportunities are you seeing for those missionaries that do so? Well, the opportunities are literally unlimited um, because most of, again, the unengaged, unreached people groups are in developing nations. So the opportunity is always before them. Uh, is, 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 as creative as a person wants to be, if they take the time to get familiar with what the needs are on the ground over there, what, what are the products or services um, that they could uh, bring to the table if they started a for-profit business, then it's a matter of, of them you know, uh, having their sphere of relationships sort of get what they're trying to do and see and understand how it furthers the Great Commission, how it's a, you know, it's it's one expression of fulfilling the Great Commission. And then it's a matter of, you know, figuring out what does it take to get a visa to that country, uh, to go in as on student status, maybe at first to access the language first and then start a business or to go over on a business visa from the beginning and having to raise a certain amount of funds because the country requires a business uh, startup to have a certain amount of funds in their account. So there's a lot of moving parts, but um, it's, uh, again, it's, it's something that when God's called somebody to do it and he's verified that and confirmed that to the people that know and love them and that they have relationships with, particularly in their home church, um, then it, it can happen, and it is happening, and it's exciting. Do you hear any reports from missionaries about how well they're received by a culture or community when they do start a business and it does kind oh, of yeah. become a vehicle for the community? Absolutely. I mean, there's there are so many reports of that because, again, in most developing nations— what they need is not a handout. They need, you know, the old phrase, they don't need a handout, they need a hand up. Mm. And so when you go in and you're actually going to run a for-profit business, you're going to pay wages as the government dictates or even more than minimum wage wages. You're going to make sure taxes are paid to the government. You're employing people. Um, you're bringing value to the community. There's no negative thoughts from the locals for a businessman that's going to come in and do business especially business that's run for the glory of God. Hmm. And that's one of the, the one of the on-ramps for the gospel is, you know, if they've had jobs in their context, they've worked for companies where, you know, the owners of those companies weren't on the up and up. Hmm. And there were a lot of, you know, ways of trying to skirt government regulations and this and that and corruption in various forms. And now here comes this foreigner who they assume is a Christian. Hmm. Uh, in every country, if you're an American, they assume you're a Christian, <laughs> but you're actually providing a product or service and you're running your business in a way that actually the government likes having you there and your employees love working for you because you're paying them, you know, in a sense, you know, what they're worth mm -hmm. versus all the other businesses they may have worked for previously. All of those things make a, a, a well-done for-profit business so valuable to the community that they'll fight for you. They'll fight for you if the government ever decides they want to get rid of you because of your Christian faith. And does that same question hold true in restricted access nations or countries? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's primarily who I'm referencing when I mm. say that. Wow. Restricted access countries. Because again, if you do a, a well-run business and you're employing people and government's getting taxes from you, why would they want to bounce you out of the country when you've sure. already proven that you bring value to their community and things are being transformed? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, uh, I want to respect your time uh, today, but um, where can we learn more about Shepherd Staff and the great work that you're doing there? Um, you can uh, check out Shepherd Staff at SSMFI. That's the acronym for Shepherd Staff Mission Facilitators, Inc., SSMFI.org. And then there's a couple of different uh, websites that we recommend for all things um, BAM-related, which is, of course, the Luzon uh, website, and then businessasmission.com, their website, has just a a ton of information and material specifically on that subject. Um, Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, resources, and and the upshot of it is, you know, and I've already said this, the upshot of it is that I'm convinced personally that for-profit business as the way to expand the kingdom of God is also the way... Um, that the Great Commission is going to be fulfilled, that disciples of all ethnic groups, a for-profit business is the easiest on-ramp and the Mm. most logical on-ramp to accomplish the Great Commission. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. Uh, Jeff Jackson from Shepherd Staff, we really appreciate your time today. And uh, thank you so much for being on the Scalable Solutions podcast. All right. Thanks, Wayne.